As I hear that music winding down, it reminds me to say thank you to David, one of our listeners who has actually written and composed and produced uh, some additional music for us to use here at the well. Am I hearing correctly that some of you might not think the Wallflower circa 1996 are hip enough and cool enough for the audience here at the well or this 54-year-old pastor? If that's what you're thinking, I... Uh, we're going to expand what we do. But anyway, thank you, David, for that. Hey, by the way, how are you? I hope you're having a great week and a great day, whatever today is, as you listen to our podcast. Are you tired? Are you worn out? Are you feeling stressed? My hunch is many of you are probably saying, yes, I'm feeling that way. 45% of all Americans say they're feeling a, a, a great sense of fatigue and stress. Nearly 50% of all Americans who sleep Seven hours a night or more report feeling tired or fatigued at least four days a week. And what about the other 50% who don't get that much sleep? How tired are they, or should I say we? How stressed are we? How fatigued are we? You know, we live in this culture that breeds, I think, fatigue. I think being tired is just a function of being an American right now. Because we just are obsessive about Spending our time always doing more and more and more. A lot of us are obsessed with work. Nearly 50% of us work 50 hours a week or more. And a survey, you know, I love these surveys, love these studies. It, like I said, it's free information. It teaches us a lot. A survey found that those of us who work 50 hours a week or more are three times as likely to feel depressed as those who, not, who do not. And yet we keep doing it. We just keep running ourselves ragged. I mean, I think a lot of us overwork because we use our work as a badge of honor. It makes us feel important. It becomes our identity. You know, of course, over the years, companies have encouraged us to work more and more. There are cafeterias and coffee shops and exercise gyms and locker rooms, you know, in the company or on the company property that kind of keeps us there. I read recently that uh, there are companies out in Silicon Valley who are now, or that are now, encouraging their employees to basically live there. They're allowing their employees to live in the parking lot the company parking lot in an RV or a van. They're encouraging their employees to bring their pets into their workspace. So if they're living there and they're eating there and they're exercising there and their pets are there, what's the message? The message is your life revolves around your work. You don't have a life-work balance. Your work is your life. But the result of that, the fruit of that, is a lot of us are starting to feel tired and starting to feel fatigued. And so what I want to think about is what God has to say about his rest versus our concept of rest. So as you know, we're working our way through the book of Hebrews, and today we're going to talk about rest. And the, the series is called Better Than, and what I want to say today is God's rest is better than our rest. And so we need to learn what that is. So if you're tired, what would resting look like for you right now? What would you do right now to make yourself feel rested? Nap? Listen to music, go to a movie, uh, play a sport, play a game, do some kind of hobby. What would you do right now that would enable you to feel like you are rested? I read an article not too long ago, and the author was talking about different things we can do to feel rested, and she gave a long laundry list. A couple of them caught my attention. One of the things she said we could do to feel rested and to relieve stress is to do deep breathing. That's not working. Um, yoga. Spend time with our pets. Boy, these pets are, they're good. 
Listen to soothing music like the wallflowers. Chew gum. I didn't make the list. I'm just reading it. Light a candle, a little aromatherapy going there, exercise, or take supplements. And those are some good things. The biblical concept of rest, and we're just going to expand it. I'm going to give you kind of a general thing of what we do when we rest, and then I'm going to give you a concept of what happens to us when we rest because of what God does. The biblical concept of what we do is to cease or to pause after completing a task or completing a day or completing a week. When we cease or pause from those activities after completing them, in that pause, we become refreshed, we become renewed and refocused. But the truth is, many of us find the time to do these things we believe are going to constitute rest, and yet we're still tired. A lot of us do deep breathing and yoga and spend time with our pets and listen to good music and chew gum and light candles and exercise and take supplements. We do all that stuff, and yet we're still tired. Our version of rest, I'm tapping myself on the shoulder, our version of rest does not refresh does not renew, does not refocus. It might distract us, it might entertain us, but we're still tired at the end of it all. Forbes magazine had an article recently that found Americans in 2018 spent, guess how much we spent on sleep-related products? $48 billion with a B. $48 billion spent last year by Americans on sleep-related products but here's the truth. In the year 1910, we slept over nine hours a night. In the year 1918, we slept a little, 2018, excuse me, we slept about six and a half hours a night. So we're spending billions of dollars on sleep-related products, and we are sleeping less. Maybe we need to learn about God's concept of rest compared to our concept of rest and how we can feel refreshed and renewed and refocused if we rest as God has instructed us and as God provides. So here's a, I'm going to read a really complicated passage um, from, the, uh, from the New Testament. This is from the book of Hebrews. I'm going to read chap, chapter 4, verses 2 and 3. I just realized I forgot to read verse 1. But verse 1 basically says God has promised his rest for us. So God has his own version of rest. Verse 2, for we also have had the gospel preached to us just as they did. Who are they? Stick with me, we'll get there. Just as they did, but the message they heard was of no value to them because those who heard did not combine it with faith. Now we who have believed enter that rest, God's rest, but as God has said, this is verse 95, it's a quote, so I declared on oath in my anger, they shall never enter my rest. What on earth is going on here? First of all, who are they? Well, they are the ones, obviously, that are being referred to in that Psalm 95 written by David. That was a generation of Hebrews that God liberated out of slavery in Egypt. So you remember the story. The Egyptians enslaved the Israelites for generations. God raised up Moses. Moses goes down in there. You know, God said, let my people go. Red Sea parts, plagues, all kinds of great incredible acts of God, and they are liberated, and then they begin to wander in the wilderness. And God says, I've got a land for you I want you to enter. But the people never entered that land except for just a handful of those who were liberated from slavery because they were disobedient. They never entered that land, which is equated with God's rest. 
And so the, the they, the children of Israel, the rest that they're going to experience is this promised land, this land flowing with milk and honey. You see, the promised land represented something entirely different. The promised land was a land not like Egypt, but rather a land of security. The promised land was a place of peace. The promised land was a place where there was no conflict with neighboring nations. The promised land was a place where they had the freedom to enjoy God's good gifts. The promised land was the place that they would flourish. And so the image of rest here is expanded, you all. It's so key to understand. What we do when we rest is we cease and we pause. What we receive when we rest is security and peace and freedom and flourishing. God did not say, I'm going to give you rest. It's going to be like a nationwide nap. <laughs> no. The, the, the rest that God said, I'm going to give you, was to experience this sense of security, peace, etc. It was a gift that God would give if they trusted Him. But they didn't trust Him. And because they did not trust God, they never experienced rest. They were always stressed, they were always fatigued, and they were always tired. And that's a whole other sermon or a whole other talk we could do, but briefly let me explain what their disobedience looked like and why they never rested. The first thing we learn is the people, they were fearful. They said, we, we know God wants to give us this gift. We're scared. And because they were scared, they never enjoyed the rest. They also were idolatrous. Essentially, they said, we know you're the one true God, but we want to worship other things. So Moses is up on that mountain. There's all kinds of clouds and lightning, and God is giving him the Ten Commandments. And his brother Aaron and all the Israelites are down in the valley, and they're making a golden calf, and they're worshiping it. And that was their disobedience. And the third element of their disobedience was they just didn't trust God's provision. They essentially said, even when we were slaves, we knew the Egyptians were going to feed us. We want to be slaves again. And they complained. And so because of that disobedience, they never rested. They never rested in the sense that they were going to experience all those good things that God wanted to give them. And those are the things you and I are dying for in our lives. And so here's my wondering this week. Could it be that many of us don't find rest because we're chasing after the wrong things in life? We're chasing after the things that we think are going to make us feel rested and replenished and renewed and refocused and refreshed, and, and we're just not getting there. We're pursuing the things that are going to make us feel like we've got security and, and peace and freedom and that we're flourishing, and we're just not experiencing those things. I'm mindful of what Solomon wrote in the book of Ecclesiastes. Solomon, if you're not familiar with him, was the king of Israel after David. He was the, he was the wisest in the land, the wisest person according to the Bible in the ancient world. And he wrote about wisdom and he talked about how in his life he sought things to fulfill him that did not fulfill him. He sought things that would make him feel happy and rested and at peace and that didn't make him feel any of those things. And he said, it's like I was just chasing after the wind. Isn't that a great image? chasing the do you ever catch the wind of course not but God has an answer for you and me as we think about the fatigue in our lives and I want to continue on with chapter four let's go into verse four for somewhere God has spoken about the seventh day with these words of course talking about creation and on the seventh day God rested from all his work 
And again in the passage he says, they'll never enter my rest. So he goes back and quotes uh, the, the psalm again. It still remains that some will enter that rest. And those who formerly had the gospel preached to them did not go in because of their disobedience. Therefore, God set a certain day. You know what it is. You know where it's going. Calling it tomorrow or calling it today. When a long time later he spoke, I'm going to give you a Sabbath rest. God set aside a certain day for a Sabbath rest. God's answer for you and me, how to begin to live into this season of being rested, renewed, replenished, refreshed, refocused, all these wonderful things, is to observe a Sabbath. God rested. God ceased. God paused. Why would God rest? Was he tired? Did he say, man, that was hard. That, that creating business is rough. Did God need to take a nap? Get a good night's sleep? Well, in the Old Testament, we read that God neither slumbers nor sleeps. No, God had completed his task, and he designated a day for us to rest, and so he modeled that for you and me. Sabbath is the time when you and I pause after completing the task, the day, the week, and we allow God to refresh, renew, and refocus. But here's the key in my mind. The key to Sabbath is it provides God with room to address those same areas in our lives where the Hebrew people were disobedient in the wilderness. When you and I take a Sabbath and we pause, we are truly trusting God to provide for us that day. The Hebrews, they, they were an agrarian society, and so they took a, an entire day away from their crops and their herds, and, and farmers didn't do that. They took a day away as a symbol, a statement that God is in control. So when you and I take a day, what we're going to say is, God, I'm trusting you. And I'm going to make space for you to provide. You've got this better than I do. When you and I take a day, it saves us from the idolatry of self and the idolatry of work or the idolatry of notoriety or the idolatry of needing to accumulate more and more and more. When you and I take a Sabbath, we give God room to build trust, which leads to real rest. So what, what's this going to look like in your life to cease and trust? Because when you and I take that moment and we cease and we trust, then we allow God to have room to do what God wants to do. And we begin to experience, again, I go back to that image of what they would experience in the land they would inherit. The security and the peace and the freedom and the flourishing. Sabbath enables that. You and I are too tired right now. And we are too stressed out right now. We need a Sabbath because in that Sabbath, that's exactly what God's going to do. Are you with me? I and mean, I think that's just important stuff. I want to read a couple more verses. For if Joshua had given them rest, Joshua is the one who eventually took the children of Israel into the promised land. If he had been the one to give them rest ultimately, God would not have spoken later about another day. There remains then a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For anyone who enters God's rest also rests from his own work as God did from his. So there's another way that we experience and enter into God's rest. There, there's another way 
that we experience what it means to have the fullness of all these good gifts. You see, Joshua was just a human being. He was a hero. But what he did merely pointed to a greater rest, a greater rest that we will all enjoy eternally, where we thrive and flourish eternally and are constantly being refreshed and always living in the security of God's provision. And the rest is given to us by Christ. He's better than any other form of rest. And so when we rest in Him, when we focus on Him, we experience all that. Let me just in, in, in just a couple of seconds explain some things that happen when we rest in Christ. When we rest in Christ, what we first do is we say, He has made me right with God. It's not about my own work. It's not about my good deeds. It's not about how hard I try or my own righteousness. Isn't that a relief to you? Isn't it a relief to you to know that you are accepted by God in spite of all your flaws and failures? It sure is for me. Uh, he makes me right with God. He's, he's our identity. We don't identify with our own selves as much as we do with Him now when we rest in Him. When we rest in Him, He becomes our security. You and I, are, we're free to tithe now. We've got to give 10% back to God. And trust that God's going to do more with 90% than we, 90% than we can do with 100%. What do you think about that? God can do, my phone is ringing. God can do more with 90% than you can do with 100%. He's our security. We can take a Sabbath now. We don't have to, to go all the time. We're free to, to, to love others and to serve others because we belong to Him. Our lives are in stronger hands than our own. Boy, that's a, that's a cup of cool water on a hot day. And finally, He's our priority. A life of service and generosity frees us from chasing after the wind, which can be exhausting. We just make doing His work our priority. And so let's backtrack and think about it. You and I are tired. And God has said to us, you need to take a pause. You need to cease. And in doing so, once you've completed a task or a day or a week, cease and let me refresh and renew and refocus you. And, and when I do those things for you, here's what I'm going to enable in your life. When you become renewed and refreshed and refocused, you're going to experience great freedom and great peace and great security and the fullness of the flourishing I have for you. You're not going to be tired all the time. And the way we enter into that rest ultimately also leads us into eternal rest. It's Christ. We know that we're going to rest eternally with Him. We know that we are promised that we're going to live eternally with God forever, obviously eternally. But we also know that when we make Christ our identity today, He enables us to rest. When we make Him our source of security today, He enables that rest. When we make Him our priority today, He enables that rest. And so yes, I know a lot of us are feeling tired right now and maybe a little fatigued. But the good news is, God has something else for us. God wants, to, wants us to live in His rest. And so there you go. I hope you have a terrific week. I hope you get some rest. Take a Sabbath and give God room. Until next time, thanks again.